Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Welcome back to the show again. I've got Mark with me and our super fun friend Paul Turner is back this week to talk a little bit more with us about the importance of, well, as we look in the Jewish world, we see this model of discipleship rooted in mentorship or apprenticeship. And so when I was a kid growing up, loved sports, played a lot of sports, and my parents saw a gift in me for softball pitching. So they hired a softball pitching coach. And this guy helped take my game to the next level, taught me a screwball and a rise ball and a pretty sweet drop curve. You know what I'm saying? And, and so it was his mentorship of me that helped me grow as a softball player. And so we see that as well in the Jewish world and in honestly in the Christian world, right? This importance in this model of discipleship of rooted in apprenticeship and in mentorship. So Mark's going to bring a little bit of that nerdy stuff to us as he loves to do. And then Paul's going to dive in with some great discussion about uh, the importance of having a personal ministry coach. Yeah. First I have to ask, are you like the best wiffle ball pitcher ever? Like, do you just strike out student after student after student? You know, it was like an intense moment this past summer when we had a church softball game and I can, I was like one of the only yeah. ones that could actually throw. And yep. People had a hard time catching my throws because they were like, meh. <laughs> People, okay, so this like, is... I, no lie. This is what one of my teens did. I, I, so I was up to bat, but I wanted him yeah. to be able to bat because I'm like, uh-huh. no, no, why don't you go bat? Like, you might not get to bat if I strike out or whatever. He's like, I I want to win. You go bat. <laughs> <laughs> you cool? guys, Heather's like leaned in. She's impassioned now <laughs> about her softball pitching. And by the way, I worked uh, a like part-time job at the YMCA in college and everything went smoothly at that job until church softball league. That yes. was bananas. The people would like get into it. Yeah, man. Anyways. Yeah. So um, in the ancient world, this idea of taking on learners and bringing them forward, like the teacher disciple model that we've looked at again and again is all over the place. Um, whether it's Socrates taking on learners or, you know, Plato or Aristotle taking on learners or whether in the Hebrew Bible, the first time we see it is um, Elijah taking on Elisha. Mm-hmm. And the I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but there's this cool dynamic in that story where Elisha wants to be just like Elijah. Right. And he's like, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. And Elijah's like, no way, man, just just leave me alone. And Elijah finally gets sick of Elisha asking him to go with him on this journey. And he says, look, if you see me get taken up into heaven, then you're going to get your wish. And what was his wish? It was to be as double. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be double zealous for Yahweh as Elijah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the story actually in Hebrew, it's really cool. You, You can't tell whether he saw Elisha or Elijah get taken up into heaven or not. Like you don't know, like, it's kind of like you're taken to the moment where, where he should see it, but you're not sure if Elisha saw his master taken up into heaven or not. There's supposed to be that ambiguity there. Yeah. And you can only track down what happened 
by counting up Elisha's miracles. This is what's baller. He, yeah. he almost doubles his master, Elijah, and misses it by one. Isn't that so great? Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah so but It's like the first example, though, of a yeah. deep mentoring in a, in a craft. And we could say that it snowballs throughout the Bible. And by the time of Paul, he's like setting up under pastors and bishops mm-hmm. and overseers and, and having them really learn to do what he does in every city he goes to. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, you know, Paul's got a ministry or excuse me, Paul has a coaching side to his ministry where he meets with a lot of youth workers. And, you know, um, Mark and I have done the same in coaching and mentoring youth workers, and we've been coached and mentored ourselves. So, Paul, so I think this honestly, I think this uh, discussion is really important for any of a youth worker or even a non-youth worker who's listening, the importance of finding a mentor, a coach, somebody to help take you to that next level. So what are some benefits, Paul, that you've seen, some of the greatest benefits of yourself being coached or of coaching somebody? I think uh, the, the the real pluses of it are, are this, is that uh, is that a lot of youth workers, especially younger youth workers and even older youth workers, their senior pastors don't do as well a job of discipling, which I think is ongoing, which is forever. <laughs> the relationship is forever. But the but sadly, when youth pastors are hired, some people think that the discipleship process is over, that somehow that the youth pastor is supposed to know everything, supposed to have it all in gear and so forth. And so a lot of people go hands off and then it's just about X's and O's. And so I think one of the, yeah. the great benefits of, of is, is the maturation of, of discipleship that you're willing to say, look, I still would like to be in a discipleship relationship within the context of youth ministry. How can I be a better follower of Jesus as I'm, as I'm helping other students follow Jesus. And so when I coach uh, folks, I have that relationship with them. That's an ongoing discipleship relationship. It's not, you know, master student. It's just two disciples, one older, maybe one younger that says, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I want to help you on your journey. I don't want to just, I don't want you to just yeah. do X's and O's. I don't want you to just have a better lock-in. I, I want you to, I want you to love Jesus. And, uh, yeah, and that's, sure. that's kind of the goal, um, you know, uh, of, of coaching, you know, to be a good coach, you gotta be, you know, you're, you're, you're mainly a discipler, but you also, you know, you gotta be like a good therapist. You have to be able to listen. You have to be able to mm-hmm. tell people where they're at. Uh, and then, yeah, you have to take on the role of, of X's and O's where you draw it up on the board and say, okay, this is how, how you actually do the thing that you're, you're wanting to do. And so I think all that plays well together uh, when you're coaching someone. Sweet. So who grows the most? Like who are the people that you've seen who grow the most? Like what's true of them? True of them, I would say, is those who, uh, who grow the most are those who actually practice what what I tell them to do. Because, I mean, if you look at any scenario, yeah. if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you should probably lose 20 pounds. Uh, well, then if you don't do that and you're back there, you know, uh, two years later and, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're suffering from, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, physical problem or, or health ailment mm-hmm. because you didn't follow that advice, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether whether it's your whether you have a podcast coach or a youth ministry coach or uh, or a health coach who's trying to help you do all those things. Um, you know, I, I think that you have to be able to um, be a practitioner. So I think the the people who benefit most from coaching are those who are willing 
to actually do the things and then be accountable. That's that's the whole part of it. It says, look, I'm having trouble on my own, you know, either being honest with myself or I can't get other people to be honest with me. Then a coach steps in and says, hey, let's be honest about where, where you're spending your time or what you're doing. And, and then giving them the steps and then them being accountable for the steps that you give them. Yeah, that's so key. We talked a little bit about that last week, about the importance of gathering people into your lives who are willing to speak hard truths and then be humbling, be humble enough to receive it and actually do something with it, right? That's something I've learned in the basketball world. Here's another sports analogy, but I had a game last night. It was a varsity game. It was a great game. Back and forth. He was refereeing, not playing, by the way. Yeah. No, remember my sport days are long gone. But um, so, but I worked with a guy who's like hardcore veteran official. I mean, this guy knows everything about everything. And so I'm just, I'm all ears. I'm like, yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Because I just, I'm hungry to learn. Right. And that's the type of mentality that I hear you saying, those are the youth workers who grow the most is those who are saying, yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And especially if they do, they try it, they practice, you know, whatever that is, uh, whether that's, you know, working on their calendar or whether that's communication or, or whatever it may be, that you have something to talk about. If they're practicing it, either they're discovering something about themselves or they're discovering mm-hmm. that it's hard, uh, that when you're doing a long-term coaching situation from session to session, you know, if they're practicing it, then they're noticing then where they need to get better or what they're really nailing, you know, what they're really doing well at that. This is, I didn't know I could do this well at it until I tried it. And so, you know, it's very much a discovery process. Yeah. So if we had a listener who was wanting to go and coach somebody, you know, how would they know that they're ready for that? Well, that's a good question. They, I, I think every person knows at some point that they need help. And there's a lot of, sadly, a lot of youth workers cannot find the help they're looking for inside their own church because they feel like they're being mm-hmm. judged. And so uh. that they, they have it all together. They should have it all together. They don't want to ask a lot of questions. They don't want to, you know, seem like they don't, they're incompetent. They don't know what they're doing. And, so, and there's a myth that you've already trained for ministry, right? Like oh, you finish yeah. Bible college or you finish your degree sure. and people act like, well, you've trained for ministry. So now we just plug you in like a cog. And actually there's a whole lifelong pursuit of getting better, right? A hundred percent. Because if, uh, if I had a dollar yeah. for every time somebody says they didn't teach me in co- that in college, you yeah. Know, yeah. That would, yeah, I'd be a rich, rich man. And uh, because it's always changing. Culture is changing. Technology is changing, right? There's, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, nobody taught somebody how to use Snapchat, you know, 10 years ago in Bible college. They may not still be teaching how to do that or at least how to, how to, you know, you know, communicate through it or those things. So, so it's yeah. always changing. Um, and sure. you clear, you clear 30 and who remembers anything you did in college anyways? True that. I mean, 100%. come on. Yeah. You're, now you're yeah. Yeah. figuring it out as you go. That's really, yeah. that's really true. I think there's something to be said there because I've coached people in the past who like, as I'm talking to them and the, as they're in their church office, they're like, can I call you back on my cell phone? I'm going to go outside the church right now so I can talk to you about this. Yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed to be a learner that has the vulnerability of this needs to get better and I'm getting help. And here's what's ironic about that. You take anyone at the top of their game at anything and they've invested the most in coaches. LeBron James has a personal coach that Mm -hmm. coaches him on longevity and skills. And I promise you he's better at basketball than any one of us is at youth ministry. (laughs) 
and he's <laughs> humble enough to get a coach, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And listen, uh, for, for those your listeners, listen, if you don't know it's for you, I, I am happy to offer a free 30 minutes of my hey, time there you go. to simply say, look, if you would like to give this a try and just say, look, we'll work on one thing, one situation, one question, whatever it is you have. I'll be happy to sit and just listen for those 30 minutes and work through it. And then, then that person can decide whether or not a, a long-term coaching uh, is, is going to be ideal for them. You know, usually three months is usually a good segment from start to finish. Uh, that's a mm -hmm. good long time to practice those things because results are not just going to happen. They don't happen overnight. So uh, you know, it takes that three months of being able to being in and out, asking questions uh, mm -hmm. and being free to ask questions. Once again, it's it's part therapist in that because youth workers come in at all different levels and some come in broken and some are trying to yeah. deal with their their life and some are dealing with their family or their bosses or their whatever's going on. And sometimes you just got to listen because one affects the other and you have to be able to process that as part of the yeah. coaching totally. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of end the show today. You know, maybe a youth worker is sitting around listening right now and they're like, yeah, but I don't know. Could this really work for me? And it's going to cost it might cost me money. And is this going to be the investment that's really worth it? And um, do you have any like personal stories or experiences of working with people in the past where you've really seen a personal ministry coach investment really make uh, dividends in their life really pay off? Yeah, I think of my friend Zach, and Zach, uh, I worked with Zach, and Zach was, um, you know, like a lot of youth workers, doing youth ministry by himself, all by himself. I mean, didn't, was, yeah. was, was constantly doing everything. He was doing everything, and he was uh, really frazzled, uh, really unfocused, really mm. trying to pull it all together. And after uh, a three-month time with him, we got him to a place where... Uh, I helped him really kind of show him how to ask for help, but also do things like student leadership, uh, involving more students in getting the meeting done and uh, and getting uh, trusting more leaders to be able to do some of that. Because I would always ask him, I say, why are you doing that? Why is that your job? Why is wow, that's good. Because because it, it, because I know youth pastors think they're the only person that can, can do this thing. But I'll tell you right now, students can do anything a youth pastor can do with a little bit of training, a little bit of mentorship. There's nothing mm -hmm. that a youth pastor does that is unique unto itself, maybe, uh, within the context yeah. of a youth meeting or something like that, that a student cannot do. And so when he got that, when he really, when that, when God kind of helped him come to that yeah. place that says, wow, I can really hand this thing off. I can be able to give this to students. Well, that, that opened up a whole nother world where more students were involved. And I, he was showed me videos. He would send me wow. uh, all these things of students leading and doing these things. And I just thought it was so powerful that he was able to kind of get that off his plate and, uh, and really start to free himself up both emotionally uh, and from an administrative point of view that, uh, that he started, he had that mindset. He was able to switch from the mindset of do it all myself to equip others to do these things. That's so great because him having a coach helped him become a coach. 100%. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You get that multiplication, right? Just like we see in the scriptures, this constant multiplication of one person investing their life in somebody and they went and did the same. Exactly. That's great. So friends, if you would like to get connected with Paul 
again, check out the discipleproject.net. Uh, if you are interested in getting a coach, definitely get connected to Paul. Or if you would like to um, talk with Mark or I, definitely reach out to us as well. And we would love to help you process and uh, become better at what you do. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And so, Mark, anything else that you want to add before we uh, close out the show today? No, this was great. Paul, thanks for being with us for a couple episodes. This was so yeah. fun. Thanks yeah, you bet. So, friends, just as a reminder, um, after this episode, we're taking a three-week break. So catch up on all the episodes that you haven't had a chance to listen to yet. Share, share, share uh, with your friends about our episodes. And also, this is fun. Um, for this month, uh, especially, obviously, this is the only time that you're going to hear about it this month. But um, for those of our listeners, if you would write us a review and take a screenshot of it, and either post it on our social media page, on our Facebook group, or send us an email of that. The first person to do that and to send us that screenshot, um, again, either putting that on our Facebook page or sending us an email, I'm going to send them a free book, a free first century youth ministry book. So do that. And uh, we would just love to see how God's using this podcast to make you better at what you do. So friends, thanks for joining us for this week's episode, and we'll see you in three weeks. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.